Big Fluff. I have a program for tomorrow's event. Is this for the hot dog picnic? Uh, there will be entertainment as well. Perhaps I should be surprised. Indians. No. Ish T O P. What? He's called here the Indian baritone. So he's going to sing. There's Princess Te Arta. She will perform the Indian corn ceremony. Oh God. Accompanied by Kurkas Pahitu on the tom tom. Well, there's our incentive not to be hung over. Tom-tom. Hot dogs. Cartoons depicting our British naval officers as monkeys. Come in. The President is waiting to see you in his study, Your Majesty. He said it was time for children's hour. Hey, everybody. I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And it is March, which is the month that the Oscars is taking place this year. And uh, a big part of the Oscars is that movies, studios, actors, directors, they all try really hard to win Oscars. Uh, creating movies that they call Oscar bait. Yes. But sometimes... They throw that bait into the water and they come up with a boot. Yes. And no nibbles whatsoever. And so, yeah. So this month we are going to be watching uh, failed Oscar bait movies or, or, you know, and by failed, we mean they were really made clearly to win Oscars and they did not. Right. Some of them have won Golden Globes. Yeah. Some of them have even gotten nominations. But but none of uh, them took home the glory that they were clearly gunning for. Yes. Yeah. These these late year prestige releases, which I look, this is I don't know how you feel about this, but this has always been a particular bee in my bonnet, as it were, of I don't like that how clear the idea of an Oscar movie has become like it's. You kind of see that where like there was this interesting, you know, I mean, it was early on. I mean, it was just like big pictures one, you know, like the big studio right. pictures that had the money behind them one. And then you kind of get into the 70s, like get experimental and the 80s were a wild time because everyone was on cocaine. But then the 90s are really the rise of this, like in indie films. And there's a real kind of indie boom and some interesting stuff happens. And then. In the last 20 years, it's just become there's an idea of what an Oscar movie is, and people just try to make those now. And those are wicked. Yeah. And they do it because they get nominated. It works. Right. You can almost predict immediately after the previous year's Oscar ceremony that next year will feature some historical epic, uh, a transformative biopic with an actor playing against type. Uh <clears throat> Every now and then a blockbuster sneaks in. But yeah, a lot of them, it's like, you know, something uh, that reduces, uh, you know, like racism in America down to a really simple premise where. Oh, the white savior narrative plays big at the Oscars. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, there's like those kind of movies. Yeah, like there's the historical stuff. There's the biopics. There's, you know, 
uh, a lot of times just historical biopics. Like if they can really combine that, I mean, there's 50 movies about Winston Churchill have been nominated. Countless movies about any of the number of Queens of England. Queens of England. Also, you know, World War II is always big. Like any war epic, but specifically we've we've explored World War II from every possible angle at this point. You know. Yeah, pretty much. But they'll keep and, making them. Yeah. And yeah, and then there's always like that small movie that's like intimate and small, but takes a lot of interesting chances with like either writing or directing. Uh, and and the quirky one, like three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, I watch the Academy Awards every year. Sometimes they really get it right. Like Parasite is one of the best winners in recent history in that. It was very crowd pleasing. It did really well. People really liked it. And it was a great film. And it like sort of checked all the boxes. It was big. Uh, or, you know, sometimes you get the thing like when they called the wrong name on La La Land. And like that was a, a really great moment. Probably my favorite. Well, uh, musicals are another one that's always like a swing for an Oscar. Which, yeah, you can see it this year of like if you look at the nominees this year. You got West Side Story is the big musical. You got Belfast is the historical thing like based on. That's like also the small intimate story too, though. Yeah, it's somehow both. Like it's both about the troubles, but it's also, you know, the real Kenneth Brownell. It's based on his real life. So you got that going. You got, uh, you know, the power of the dog, which is the like sad, quiet Western prestige pick, which I really right. loved, by the way. But yeah, like. <laughs> Uh, then you get the Paul Thomas Anderson movie, which is its own. <laughs> right. Genre. The PTA movie usually gets it. Um, but yeah, then, and you, then you do have King Richard, which is like the, the biopic. That's the biopic. Yeah. So they're, they're all there. They're always all there. You get the. And then Money Plane. Yeah. Well, <laughs> also, I do want to. There's been a new recently, ever since he stopped being fun, the Adam McKay heavy handed uh, lecturing movie. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, I hate that movie so much. I really like when he did the Will Ferrell movies. I love Step Brothers, Anchorman, and Talladega Nights, the, unequivocally. Yeah, if that man had walked off into the sun after those movies, I'd be yeah. considering it. But yeah, I, anyway, that's not why we're here. We're here to talk about we're the movies. We're here to talk about yeah. failed Oscar bait yeah. of old. And so maybe next year we'll talk about failed Oscar bait of new. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll have, you know, nine of these 10 best picture nominees will have not won. So, right. Yeah. So, yeah, here we go. This and it's perfect. Like we're starting off with a movie that uh, it's a historical drama. It's got the background of a war like looming. You know, it's about a president. It also is kind of small and intimate in its scope. It, it it really checks. It's the, got Olivia Coleman playing a queen of England. Yes, yeah. which is usually a shoe in for an Oscar nomination. Yeah, she's playing an Elizabeth. You know, like, why uh, not? Uh, uh, and it's got a comedic actor playing in a dramatic role, which the Oscars tend to enjoy. And it has literally the same guy from, like, the same character from the King's Speech. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's also the King's Speech. Yeah, it's. Two years after they made the King speech, they brought that guy back for, a, you know, obviously different actor playing him. It's not Colin Firth, but no. Uh, but man, if it was, they it was a direct sequel. That would have been great. If it would, yeah, if they, man, what if they did expanded cinematic universes for of history you know, of like Oscar movies? They just like cast a series of historical movies, but just anytime one of the characters shows up in another movie, it's the same one. So if there's like, like if 
uh, Bill Murray was playing FDR in Pearl Harbor instead of John Voight. Yeah. No, we should just pick. This is the actor that gets to do it. Right. Yeah. You're FDR now, Bill Murray. Yeah. That'd be terrible because he doesn't pick up his phone most of the time. He would no. never show so up. So that'd be a hard, they'd be hard pressed to do a depression era movie. <laughs> uh, but uh, the movie we're doing is called Hyde Park on Hudson, uh, directed by Roger Mitchell, known for Notting Hill. Uh, and it is about uh, FDR in the late decades of the 30s uh, during his second term as president. Yeah, it's 1939, uh, right? The, yeah, 3839, I yeah. think. Uh, and it is about his rumored uh, tryst with fifth cousin Daisy Stucky or Stucky, I guess is how you pronounce it. Yeah. Um, and supposedly, and they mentioned it in the movie. Uh, there were letters that she wrote that were found uh, upon her death where she that hot cousin on cousin action that she documented yeah. in her letters. Well, I mean, FDR and Eleanor were also cousins, so. It's a long in story tradition and politicians continued to this day by Rudy Giuliani to, to yeah. marry your cousin. So, um, but yeah, uh, fun historical trivia is that. Uh, Eleanor Roosevelt's uncle is Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. And he gave her away at the wedding to Franklin Roosevelt. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but this movie is not about that. No. So this movie, it's, I guess it's about two. Although they do heavily hint that Eleanor Roosevelt is a lesbian. <laughs> yes, they do that. Uh, but yeah, so this movie is, I think about two. Yeah. So it's about two, I guess there's two plot lines happening at once. One is the. Uh, the the cousin. That's a stretch to call them plot lines, well, but we'll go with two, it. Two things, <laughs> two threads, two threads. There's both the fifth cousin showing up to, uh, you know, have some hot outdoor hand job action with FDR, and there's the king and queen of England visiting. The first time they've ever visited America. Visiting America to, they're trying to drum up support uh, for you know this. This big old war that's happening. Yeah, this 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 world, this WWII that's going on. Which I, I I'm always fuzzy on the timeline, but I'm pretty sure this would be like right before because the King's speech was about that speech, right? That like he, right. So like this is this is a prequel to the King's speech. It is a prequel. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's because the sort of the official start date they say is September first, nineteen thirty nine, when the Nazis invaded Poland. Um and yeah, so this is set in like 38, uh, where war is inevitable at this point in Europe. And he's trying to get America's support. Right. Yeah. So that that's the backdrop. And they're all staying in, because uh, the other thing that we haven't mentioned yet is that FDR is a big old mama's boy. And yes. it's in his, uh, his mom's house that they're all, which is the titular Hyde Park on Hudson. Hyde Park on Hudson. That's where everybody is. Yeah. And is is now the site of the FDR Museum and Presidential Library. Yep. Uh, yeah, so... This movie's real boring. It's real boring, yeah. So it's... So for all the things we just said, I mean, you can see what they must... Like, and I... It's funny, I was even, like, doing some research, because I knew we were going to do this, to look, and you can find... So this came out in 2012. Uh, so it was the 2013 Oscars. And you can see there was legit a narrative of like will the will bill murray win this year like is this gonna be his oscar you know like does he have like and the, people really thought that like when this came out 
there when this was, was a, getting before it like got released and it was kind of like hyped as coming down the pipeline this there was and he did win the golden globe for best comedic actor in, yeah in this hilarious movie yeah there, this is not a comedy at all that's yeah it's a huge stretch to pretend that it like there's a few moments that are like haha but it's you would not describe this in any way as a comedy uh yeah and even laura lenny also had some buzz like there was a chance that she might get nominated she did not get nominated either like neither of them got nominated let alone one right an oscar for this and i think maybe to put it in context we'll get into the actual specific problems with the movie but to put it in the context of the oscars there was another presidential uh biopic that came out the same year that got 12 oscar nominations and and whose lead actor did in fact win an academy award and that was lincoln which is a much better presidential movie with a much better acting performance yeah but that was like the which is actually interesting too because this is the year uh that argo won best picture and life of pi won best director so lincoln actually didn't win a ton of awards but it definitely did for sure win uh the best actor yeah and it was uh daniel day lewis's uh record-setting third best actor win yeah Yep. And he probably should have won like three more, you could maybe argue. Yeah, he retired just to give other people a chance to win Academy Awards. Right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, because he had won for My Left Foot and There Will Be Blood, but you could have argued that he could have won for uh, Gangs of New York, Last of the Mohicans. Phantom Thread. Pretty much everything he's ever played. He could. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everything. Like he's. Great. Yeah. You know, he's great in all of them. Uh. He played the journey in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Uh, but yeah, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis is great. He will probably never show up on this podcast. Yeah, but you're probably not. Um, but no, this is this is about Bill Murray as FDR. In Hyde Park on Hudson. And Wait, can I say one more thing about the Academy Awards? Yes. So this did not get Academy Award nominations, but you know what did the same year? Snow White and the Huntsman got two academy award nominations <laughs> so just wanted to point that out yeah which we could also do on this show that but. could very <laughs> we could very easily another year do terrible movies that have won academy awards yes uh for sure but we then could. we'd have to watch suicide squad and i don't know if either of us are prepared to do that yes and if you're wondering uh makeup it won an academy award for makeup yes uh um which is not what they mean when they say it, that it won a makeup Oscar, just so people know. <laughs> <laughs> this was a, a makeup Oscar for James Gunn getting snubbed for uh, Slither. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah. Um, anyway. Okay. So all of that said, uh, this actual movie is, yeah, I mean, I think you kind of It is dull as dishwater. And it, I love basically everybody in this cast. <laughs> yeah, I like. I think it's interesting. And I mean, I understand it, like why people thought this could be a role for Bill Murray. But man, is he given absolutely nothing interesting to do in this movie? Yeah, none. There's not a thing. Like, that's the thing, too. Maybe you were wondering at the beginning, like the clip that we played, he's not even in it. That's because what what clip of his would I use? Like, he doesn't. There is no interesting scene. There's nothing interesting that he says. He's pretty boring. All throughout this movie, Laura Lenny has some some good moments. Yeah, if the, if there's a Bill Murray scene, it might be the one where he 
sort of explains to Laura Linney that, yes, he has lots of paramours. Yeah. Yeah. When she catches him with his assistant, um, Missy, played by Elizabeth Marvel. Yes. Yeah. Missy, who does the classic hide in the back of the car, waiting for the person to get into it, move to to talk her down. Yeah, I but yes, it's FDR, but it's a it's a very uninspired, uninspiredly written. Like I, I don't even think I wouldn't put it on Bill Murray. Like it's just this FDR is not a, a very captivating person to watch. I mean, especially when you consider that FDR, arguably one of the best orators of the 20th century as a president. Probably him and Kennedy are probably two of the front runners uh, as far as just being able to give captivating speeches. You know, like his Pearl Harbor speech is iconic, you know, a date that which will live in infamy, all that. His uh, fireside chat radio addresses that he was just very direct and honest with the people and told them how the government was working. Which. What a novel idea. Yeah. I OK, so I was trying to be nice to Bill Murray because I look, I love Bill Murray and someday love we're, him. we're going to find that secret phone number that he has. and We're going to call him up and we're going to do a podcast with Bill Murray. That's my dream for the show. Um, Mine too. Where we will all watch Caddyshack 2 together. <laughs> it's the only time we'll watch a movie twice yeah. and it'll be the worst movie we've watched. <laughs> no, but we'll watch, we'll watch whatever, whatever Bill Murray wants to watch. But uh, we'll watch the first Garfield, even though we've swore that we never will. We would only, look that. Okay. That's a deal for everyone. And look, we get so many emails, so many like tweets at us letters letters physical letters people have written letters with like you know monograms and like wax seals they're delivered Delivered on by ravens yeah (laughs) by so it's a raven on a horseback that's what's wild about it the raven rides a horse and then flies the last few feet to drop these letters off and uh They all say, when are you going to do the first Garfield? You have to do the first Garfield. So to answer so many unanswered questions, to answer all of you, we've heard you. We'll do it when Bill Murray does the show. Yeah. If Bill Murray's a guest, we will watch the first Garfield. Not before. Not ever. Unless that happens. So if you want that to happen, I hope you know Bill Murray and you can connect us. If you can make that happen, please holler at your boys. (laughs) I'm pretty sure Wes Anderson is a huge fan of this podcast, so I think we have a decent chance. We got a, we got an outside shot with yeah. Wes. Okay. Anyway, so I all of that to say, I love Bill Murray so much. Bill Murray made my childhood great, like just with what he gave to movies at the time. Uh, but he's not a very good FDR. Like he's it's it's both not no. written well, and I don't think he's really capturing everything that you just said about what a great order and like just because fdr yeah like if i i just hear his voice because of those radio broadcasts that you're talking about like you he has a very iconic very booming like powerful voice and it has this like perfect like upper chest or not upper chest but upper hudson valley yeah last night the Japanese attacked Wake Island yeah because it also has the, it's like that early radio where everything it feels a little stilted too yeah. so it has last like, night yeah the Japanese attacked Guam. Yeah. So it's like that. It's very like clipped and just like succinct and and powerful. And yeah, it just he doesn't quite have it. And I, and I also felt he was a little inconsistent in even what I felt like he was trying to do. I don't, well, yeah. And I think some of that is because he wasn't given an FDR moment. Yeah, right. Like they show some of the tail ends of a couple of like the fireside chats, but 
but he just didn't have that because he's almost just furniture in this movie. He really. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's just a waste. Like I, I he yeah, like. It's weird how tertiary he feels to this story. And. And that's the thing is, like, there isn't. I, I think you have to call Daisy, as played by Laura Lenny, the protagonist of this movie. Oh, 100 percent. She's the she narrates it. We're I think every scene is following her. I don't think there's if I. Well, no, no, that's not true, because we see uh, we see some scenes with the king and queen. Yeah. But for uh, the we most see part, FDR with his mom. But for the most part, for, for the large majority of the film, we're following her and it ends. It both begins and ends in her house, which if you're doing like a Campbell thing, that's literally like, you know, she returns home having changed like. But yeah, she's the protagonist for sure. But like she doesn't have a strong want that's driving the narrative. Well, she wants her cousin. But does she? (laughs) I mean, she that's what's weird is she seems like the beginning. Like, it's not like she's been pining for him. It's sort of like. Hey, uh, I don't know. They said stop by FDR's house. And she's like, yeah, okay, I guess. Like, it, the, Oh, Franklin. I remember Franklin. Yeah. Uh, he's my hot cousin. <laughs> hot cousin Franklin. But, uh, but yeah, it's like. Wait, she, hot Franklin or polio Franklin? <laughs> Same Franklin. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she, she seems like. She doesn't. Yeah, she's. Well, that's what's interesting is she's sort of kind of very passive until the end when they seem to write like one scene where she gets really angry but up until but it seems to come out of nowhere because she doesn't right seem very emotionally you know like like she just kind of seems like well whatever and then all of a sudden she's like very upset right because it doesn't seem like she wants or has a really strong want of being his exclusive love interest she doesn't even seem terribly romantically interested in him until She's jealous. Right. And that could have been a thread they could have tugged on and pursued and had her questions like, well, wait, why am I so upset that other people are having an affair when I was just sort of had a special, excuse me, a special friendship with him as she terms it. Right. Yeah. And they could have even drawn parallels between FDR and Laura Linney's special friendship, and they could have, you know, compared that to England and America's special friendship. Well, that's I mean, that's the other thing, too. Like when when I said there were two plot lines, they don't really work together. They just both are happening at the same They're just time happening concurrently. Yeah, but they don't you know, they yeah, they, there's no way that they're like thematically or narratively like woven together. It's just that two things are happening. Like there's an A plot and a B plot, basically. That are happening to all the same characters at the same time. Yeah, it, it's literally just two. Th- it's literally two things happening at the same time. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that's a big problem, too. Yeah, you would want like and yeah, you just did it like that. It would have been as simple as, you know, there's these are two special f- friendship relationships that are rocky that need to be navigated somehow to move forward, both as people and a nation. Yeah, um, it, it didn't. It wouldn't have taken a lot. Yeah, no. Or you like, and I think it's a mistake moving Olivia Coleman to the background in that regard. Or you move the king and queen's visit way in the background, and really just focus on the love story. Well, put a pin in that for when 
we uh when we pivot to silver linings because i i have a strong thought on that but i don't want to get into it yet well i mean i don't think that's but I, i'm not what i'm saying is pre-production you make that move right right, right. yes yeah well it's i mean that's <laughs> the thing and it's from from what i understood and from what it seems like like they had this relationship for and actually i was reading it it the film has them you know it sort of shortens the time when they were together for longer than even the movie implies right. but yeah you so the fact that they picked this one specific weekend you could have yeah you could have made a movie about their relationship but it didn't need to be limited to one specific weekend it could have just been a right a larger you know arc yeah, there's a lot they could have done. Um, but yeah, and that's just like, with a few small exceptions that I'm sure we'll talk about when we pivot, this movie is dull. Yeah, it, it, it's, yes. I think that's its biggest problem. And again, we had, in a year it's competing against Lincoln, like for prestige presidential biopics. You know, that movie has a lot of things happening. And this is just, the biggest tensions are like, you know, what's going to be served like what are the events at the party you know it, it's a lot of just it, it it's almost like this weird upstairs downstairs comedy of errors in some ways and but that makes it sound more fun than it is too <laughs> no like no it that's why i said almost <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right i don't know it, is there any yeah is there anything else we need to specifically well <sighs> Where do we where do we talk about the hand job scene? Because that's pivotal to this movie. Is that is that a silver line or is that a, a, a malignance of this movie? I mean, I didn't have it down in my silver linings, but you can, can feel free. <laughs> okay, I didn't either because this. So very, like in the first reel where this being projected on a cinema screen, uh, there is. One of the all-time most awkward cinematic handjob scenes in movie history. Which most cinematic handjob scenes are awkward. So, yes. so to be at the top is, is quite an accomplishment. Yeah, it's... Uh, FDR and Daisy go for a drive in his modified car that he can drive with his hands. Mm -hmm. um, and then he doesn't use his hands again for the rest of the trip. <laughs> If you're trying to picture this scene, and I hope you are, uh, <laughs> please, if you've seen the film Animal House, the handjob scene in that, it's identical. With a, there's it's no, not that different. <laughs> there is no white glove. But other than that, it's it's pretty much yeah. the same. You could play those two over top of each other. What's weird about this? Scene, I mean, everything's weird about this scene, but it goes on way too long. And so long. There are so many shots of just the field that they're in. Of just thistles. <laughs> because obviously, like, they're not, it's not, it's weird. It's not graphic. Like, you know, they're not. But you, it's also unmistakable what's happening. Yeah, it's very clear what's happening, but they're not showing anything. But they're, so they're just sort of, it's a lot of Bill Murray's face and a lot of the fields, you know. Yeah, it's, it's so awkward. It's weird. And I don't look like, I mean, we, obviously we need to make it clear that they have, a, you know, an affair. They're they're having a relation. But like, I don't know how everyone involved landed on that as the best way on to do it. On a dispassionate, awkward hand job in the middle of a field. 
Yeah. I d- like they don't kiss ever in the movie, I don't think. No, and I don't think, are there any other romantic scenes with them besides that one? There are hints that they had like just finished but some seeing, sort of tryst at various points. But I'm seeing depicted, yeah. No, never once. Yeah, so that's the only time. It's the only sex in the movie, even though, again, we she catches, was Missy. Uh, so like there's a lot of implied sex but this is the only time that there is a scene where it's depicted and that's what they chose and it's wild like unless you could produce the exact letter that narrates that and and post it on you know the fdr's library okay. website okay look here's a pitch it, okay it's, let's it's a nicholas cage national treasure film where we have to steal the letters from a hundred and one year old woman's like under her bed where she describes the hand job she gave to FDR <laughs> because if that letter exists as to quote Indiana Jones it belongs in a museum like it belongs in a museum like that that letter should be framed 100% oh man that it like it's just uh God, I want to watch that movie. <laughs> we got to get the handjob letter. <laughs> Who would be who's the like cuz we did National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets obviously on this film on this uh podcast who's who's the guy who's like trying to to like the rival uh you know who's trying to get to the letter first? Who plays that it, character? Well, one, the old lady's played by Rosemary Harris. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. That goes without saying. Yeah. Um, and it's her grandson that doesn't want it to get out that she jade off the president. Yes. Yeah. So he's, he's trying to stop it. Uh, it, it's her grandson and it's played by Channing Tatum. <laughs> and this is going to be our Justin Bartha redemption film. Yes. Where he's going to finally acknowledge and apologize for Geely. Just in the movie. There's a scene <laughs> in the movie where he apologizes. Like, no, there's going to be so this here's the scene, right? Um it's just just Justin Bartha looking square into the camera saying, "Listen everyone. <laughs> s- sorry about Geely." And like what? He's like, it wasn't that bad. He's like, yeah, but I suggested it and I didn't think I I, I didn't realize it was going to be so so bad. Yeah. So they then like the characters had watched Geely. Yeah. It's is he still in character as his character from National Treasure, but it's just in the National Treasure cinematic universe, he created the film Geely as an elaborate plan to steal um the you know uh Well, he was fooled by the rocks that she got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, he was trying to steal some JLo's diamonds. Yeah, the the famous the JLo JLo and Ben's engagement ring because I think they did get engaged at one point. Yeah, and so it was a long con where he pretended to be a film producer who was making Geely in order to steal the rocks that she's got. He's been pretending to be Justin Bartha the whole time. Yeah, it's gonna get wild. Like where <laughs> it's gonna be layers upon layers. Money plane is gonna show up. Yeah, it, it, but it's also it's it's very much like adaptation. You know, it's, it's right. Yeah. So anyway, look out for that coming. Yeah. Soon. Coming, coming to a theater. That is going to be a successful Oscar bait. I can tell already. Yeah. Bartha's um, going to finally win best supporting actor. Yes. Um, and John Voight dies off screen. Yes. <laughs> 
just throwing that out there. <laughs> he is not in the movie. Yeah, he, he there's just like one sign where one line where it's like, oh, sorry, your dad died off screen. Yeah. <laughs> Why'd you say off screen? No, no reason. <laughs> no reason. <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, Shall we pivot to the silver linings of this movie? Yeah, let's pivot to the silver linings of this movie. Well, actually, I say. Oh, go ahead. I don't know. Like, I was thinking, like, sort of in the middle ground. Like, this movie did have all the earmarkings of uh, of an Oscar contender, and it just missed on every single opportunity. Well, right. It's it's. I think it's a great starting point for this month because on paper you understand why they thought this was going to win Oscars. And in execution, you understand why it didn't. Right. Like you're, let's say, pitching a movie to a producer and you say, it's like, all right, Laura Linney. Great. We're in. Yeah, we're in. Bill Murray playing beloved president FDR. The guy from Caddyshack. Yeah, the same. (laughs) Got Olivia Coleman playing a queen of England. Oh, that's her wheelhouse. I'm yeah, yeah. Here's yeah, blank check. You know that king that stuttered? He's in it too. Oh, we got the king. Do we get Colin Firth? Uh, do we have Samuel West? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> they're all they're all British. It's, yeah, it doesn't matter. Awkward car hand job. Okay, look, you <laughs> you had my curiosity, but now you have my attention. <laughs> But no, like 100% you can see why this movie was pitched, made, and marketed to try to win Academy Awards. Yep. And swinging them. And this is the equivalent of like the Bugs Bunny baseball cartoon when he throws the really slow pitch and they just take three whiffs at the same ball. Yeah. Like this could have been a layup. Like there's a there's probably an Oscar winning movie with all the same pieces as this. Oh, yeah. It. Yeah. And man, I... When do you think they found out about Lincoln? Like, where, do you think they were filming? <laughs> <laughs> How far along in the process did someone go like, um, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but. Uh, <laughs> but Daniel Day-Lewis is doing a Lincoln biopic directed by Spielberg. Uh, oh, come on. <laughs> they didn't get like a good, you know, like amazing playwright to write it, did they? No, they got Tom Kushner. Stopper. They got Kushner. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Uh, and it's based on Pulitzer Prize winning book Team of Rivals by Doris Kearns Goodwin crap okay here's what we're gonna do I know it seems bleak everyone we're gonna make the hand job seem longer (laughs) alright take an early lunch everybody we did it (laughs) okay now I think we can pivot now we can pivot um Laura Linney's delightful. I love her. She's one of my favorite actresses. No, Laura Linney is great. And she's great in this. Like, yeah, she really is. Yeah. She's she she's great at narrating it. She's great at playing this part. She's she's Laura Linney. She's fantastic. Look, if you need a president to have a romantic relationship with someone, there's no one better than Laura Linney. I saw John Adams. I know what's up. Like, yeah, no, it's it goes without saying. And you need someone to play a forlorn, middle-aged, love-struck woman. I think Laura Linney's your go-to for that as well. <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, she's great. No, she's she's so good. Like, she makes every line mean something. Like, she... In a very boring movie with a very dull script, um, she puts a lot of life into her scenes. Yeah. No, 100%. She's great. 
yeah, Laura Linney is awesome. Uh, give her all of the awards. Maybe yep. not for this one, but all the other ones. I wouldn't have even been mad if she was nominated. Honestly, I wouldn't have either, because uh, she is she's really good. Do you know who won this year? Uh, off the top of my head, I don't. Jennifer Lawrence for her adaptation of this podcast. Hmm. Yeah, they called it Silver Linings Playbook. It seems hack. Boo. Yeah, it seems just derivative of what we do, but it's fine. Yeah, she, that was the Jennifer Lawrence year. Oh, okay. Yep. All right. I, I thought she nailed you. Uh, in all honesty, like I thought she really captured the essence of what you bring to the table. She really did. I the Bradley Cooper was interesting casting for you, but we both have beards. <laughs> but. I did think uh, De Niro as the, the... And our best work is as a raccoon. <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, his work as the Peak Sloth Podcast Network was also really good. Yeah, I mean, that that's pretty accurate. All right. Do you want my... Anyways, I have let, a, do, do let's you, go. Let's... I don't, do you have anything else small? Because I, I have a big silver lining. I'm trying to save it, but like, if it's time, it's time. I I'm I think mine might be the same, so I'm gonna let you go. Okay, there is, and I'm not exaggerating, a great movie within this movie, and I mean that sincerely, and that's why I chose the clip that I did at the beginning. The Elizabeth and Bertie hang out in their room and are horrified <laughs> by everything that they're being asked to do is. A great, like, I'm not, like, that's what oh, I know. Oh, no, it's awesome. It, everything they do is great. Olivia Coleman is fantastic. Uh, like, yeah, you get the king, like, like, just them discussing hot dogs, them discussing the events, like, it's, man, I, if it was uh, Hot Dogs on Hudson, like, if that was the movie we were Hyde watching. Hyde Park on Hot Dogs. Hyde Park on Hot Dogs, yeah, like, it's... There's a great movie, uh, The King's Hot Dogs, like whatever we're calling God, it. If you, if you do this movie, and this is not the best example, but um, the the Frat Brothers movie where uh, Seth Rogen and uh, Rose Byrne are being beleaguered by the frat house next door. Is it called Neighbors? I think it might be called I think it's called Neighbors. Yeah. But you do that and it's just, it's just FDR and his like you know, coterie of of AIDS and everything, just effing with the queen and king of England the whole time. Oh, yeah. That's a gold comedy. Well, also just, yeah, like the idea that I need a, like, it, there's no better movie about America. You want to capture <laughs> the spirit of this country. A movie where some foreign dignitary comes to this country and has to put up with, like, offensive Native American displays. And hot dog eating in order to get us to like pay attention to them. There's that's what we deserve. That's how we should be depicted <laughs> in cinema. No, a hundred percent. Um, I was gonna go for a little smaller moment, but I think it plays into this when uh Bertie and Elizabeth are trying to like meet the real Americans, and everyone is just ignoring them. Yep, that's hilarious no that's what i'm saying like they're in a better movie birdie and elizabeth's movie is the movie that i want like it's it's great Definitely. everything with them the scenes in their room are great the scenes yeah that you're describing are great the the end where he <laughs> takes the hot dog <laughs> like it is 
you know, plutonium. Like he is holding it out so skeptically. Also, whoever like props department that made that hot dog, because it's so like the hot dog is curled and it's like way bigger than the bun. And he's awesome. He's holding it out. And then Laura Linney, who, as we said, is also crushing it. Takes on like because uh, FDR is like, do you want mustard on your hot dog? And he's like, I'll, I'll have it, whatever, however you would like me to have the hot dog, I will, I'll, I'll try it. And then she very delicately like knifes some mustard, spreads the mustard with a knife because they didn't have the squeeze bottles back then, right? So. And then he bites into it, and every photographer, this is. Yeah, this is the moment they've been waiting for. And then he is so confused as to why they're taking this photo, which is the correct response to that. Uh, and then he just kind of awkwardly is like, I, I think I'll have another. Like, I roll credits right there. It's no, that stuff's great. If you I think with a few tweaks and I think this kind of plays into the, the idea that you were pitching. Make it be like FDR is just a little bit more grizzled and a little bit more like trashy american is just like i'll tell you what like you you want help in this war you gotta beat me in a hot dog eating contest <laughs> oh man no i i yeah all of it yeah all of it and I, then I'm it turns out in that in that scenario it's actually elizabeth who uh she like you think that it, it has to be birdie but he he collapses on the table after like four hot dogs and then she we, eats 73. Yeah, we, we pan out to, to Elizabeth. She's just dunking them in water. She's full Joey chestnutting the hot dogs. Yeah, and so that's when uh, FDR finally <laughs> gives up. It's like, you can have your Lend-Lease Act. <laughs> that's, yeah, and then that's the movie that we all deserve really, and yeah. want. Yeah. I just think you just portray FDR as like this merry prankster trying to put one over on the Brits as just ne- unnecessary revenge for being British. Well, that that actually really is in the movie where they're both Elizabeth and Bertie are convinced that this is a whole big prank, a big prank. But the movie isn't interested in exploring that idea to like it doesn't really take because I feel like it it's too weak to really make it clear if that's how the movie sees it or not. Like it's you could kind of interpret it either way. And I think. Yeah, my instinct would have been, yes, it is a prank and lean into that and do more pranks. Well, and then like then at the end, they reconcile and he's like, I, I like the cut of your jib, Bertie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's Bertie, I like the cut of your jib. Uh, <laughs> your you, jib. Sir, your jib. Is as good as an American jib. <laughs> You can eat a hot. (laughs) You can eat a hot dog like an American. (laughs) Yeah, that's that would have been great. If you could eat that hot dog, as if you are from Hyde Park on Hudson. (laughs) That's the name of the movie. And then they all wink into the camera, and then they all get an FDR's uh, handjob mobile, and they drive (laughs) off into the sunset. All just like the uh, Fat Albert and the Cosby kids, like crossed hand handshaking thing, but they're all just jaying each other off. Okay, that's a better look. That would have swept. Yeah, I man, like Daniel Day Lewis, the gumption to do that. Daniel Day Lewis would have retired from acting that year. He was yes. just been like, I can't compete with this. I can't compete with 
the crisscrossed armed hand job scene at the end of Hyde Park on Hudson. Uh, I I guarantee more people than you and I would have heard of this movie at this point. <laughs> that it would have been iconic for all the right reasons. This movie came out 10 years ago, and I guarantee if people even bothered to play this episode, they were like, what? <laughs> FD- Bill Murray played FDR? What, in like the 80s? <laughs> like... When did this movie happen? No one has ever. I had to ask you three times what the title of this film was. Yep. And it's, it's Hyde Park on hot dogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, I mean, that's that's the silver lining to me is every everything. No, it, it, it's the yeah. it's. It's Bertie and Elizabeth going, are they fucking with us? Yeah, it's no. I mean. Make it like, you know, uh, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, but about hot dogs and uncomfortable uh, pageantry, <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah. And then yeah. It, and then the affair plays into that because he is also having an affair and he's trying to hide it. But everybody is very because I loved that, too. There was a great moment where, like, again, they're just watching from the window and they're like, he, he's having an affair with that woman. <laughs> like. Is that part of the prank? Is he, are we trying to? Is he trying to see if we noticed the affair that he's clearly having? Yeah, no, they were great. They they truly yeah, they were so good. Um, yeah, Olivia Coleman should be in every movie. It is also yeah, it's interesting too that because then she played this Elizabeth, and then she on the Crown she plays Queen Elizabeth, who's the daughter of this Elizabeth. So, right. Yeah. She she plays like the. Uh, yeah. Um. The current Queen of England. Right. Yeah, on the crown. But yeah, she's she's real good at playing and playing monarchs. And she won um an Oscar for uh playing another Queen Elizabeth. And that is a great Or no, she wasn't Queen No, that was Queen Anne, I think. Yeah, it's but Anne. either way. Yeah, yeah. But that is a great movie that we will never That is an excellent movie Elizabeth. that we'll never talk about on the spot. That movie's awesome. Yeah, it's great. If you haven't seen it, watch the favorite. Yeah. Um, it's delightful. I will say the only knock on it is there are no hot dog eating contests, unlike this movie. Oh, you didn't watch the DVD outtakes. That was just behind the scenes. Yeah, <laughs> it was just a nonstop. Is that Emma Stone in that one? It's yeah, it's Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz. Uh, right. And it's yeah. just the three of them are just all engaging in a hot dog eating contest. Yeah, because that's a lot of people don't know this, but Olivia Coleman on every film that she's ever done has a hot dog eating contest. That's why there's the joke about her gobbling hot dogs in Hot Fuzz, because that had happened just before that scene was shot. Yeah, and again, like Simon Pegg and Nick Frost just were crushed by her. She yeah, she just destroyed. Yeah, Nick Frost was really proud because he ate twenty seven hot dogs. And he thought he was good. He thought he was. And in he thought it was. And then he looked over and saw that Olivia Coleman had eaten sixty three. And the thing was, she did this right after lunch. Yeah, she she had had a a nice lunch of a, a Reuben sandwich and some chips. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And then she ate 63 hot dogs. Yep. So, Hyde Park on us. <laughs> I think we did it, right? Oh, we definitely did it. There's a clear silver lining to this movie. It's very obviously a whiff trying to win Oscars. And and it's just the uh, first one. We're, we're going to have three more Academy Awards not going to film. <laughs> three more movies that did not win Academy Awards. So, so stay tuned for those. And also, look, if you know Bill Murray and you want us to do Garfield, you know what you make have it to do. happen. 
Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. We have to ask. It's a podcast where we answer the question, are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite Universes. We, we have, have to, to ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peak Sloth Network at peaksloth.com. Peaksloth.com.